I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. As you know, the podcast is currently sponsored by Waterfall. For the month of December, Waterfall are spreading some Christmas cheer by giving away a six-month supply of wipes each for you and a friend. So to be in with the chance of winning, follow Waterfall's Instagram page, Waterfall Baby Wipes, which I will link in the show notes. And make sure to tag your friend on the post that I put up the other day on the Ireland's Breath Stories page. Winner will be announced on Instagram. Good luck. And don't forget that Waterfall baby wipes contain just two simple ingredients and 99.9% purified water. Waterfall baby wipes are 100% plastic free, 100% biodegradable and 100% compostable. Breaking down in a matter of weeks, they are the best choice for your baby's skin and for the planet. The wipes very recently won the best new product um, with the Mums and Tots Awards after only a few months on the shelves, which is amazing. And they're definitely on track to win a lot more awards in 2022. So make sure to go over, follow the Instagram page, which I have tagged in the show notes, and make sure to tag your friends over on my own page. Good luck. So in this week's episode, I chat to Doris, who talks me through her two pregnancies and births. Doris gave birth to her first baby in New Zealand, and I always love hearing... uh, how women birth in different countries and what the maternity systems are like. So she talks through her whole experience um, in New Zealand from choosing her midwife, which are given the option to uh, right through to her hospital experience. So she was induced um, and then later she birthed her baby via cesarean. So I'll let her share all of the details, but it was quite shocking to her and she found it quite difficult, especially how the news was delivered that she to her that she was going to give birth to her baby via cesarean section, which was from a consultant who said six centimetres C-section and it wasn't even directly to her. So that was definitely um, tough to deal with. So she was determined next time around when she got pregnant with her second baby in Ireland that she wanted to have her VBAC, which is vaginal birth after cesarean. And she got that. So she was supported by a consultant uh, in one of the hospitals who really understood what she wanted and really listened to her. Um, After a little blip, she definitely 
was the person that Doris needed. Uh, she talks us through the whole experience. And just to mention, there is a part of Doris' story which is quite hard to hear. I found it hard to hear around the one hour mark when they had to really encourage the uterus to contract down um, after she did birth her baby. So if you're not in a place to listen to something that's hard to listen to, then maybe just wrap up the episode there at about the one hour mark. Thank you for sharing, Doris. And I know this is a great episode because a lot of people want that feedback. So yeah, it's a really inspiring story. Enjoy and I'll chat to you next week. Doris, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Having both of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully we'll both behave very well. So if you want to start by giving us a little introduction to you and your family. Um, I am originally from Estonia. Um, I've been living in Ireland for about 12 years, okay. you know, on and off, been gone a couple of years here and there, back I'm back again now. So I'm married to um, Tom, who is Irish, and we have two beautiful children. Uh, one, the first one, who is Benjamin, he's two years, eight months. And then Amelia, who is my second baby, and she's um, five months old. So let's just dive into your first pregnancy. Um, so my first pregnancy was um, planned in the way that um, I kind of mentioned to Tom that um you know, we were mo- we actually moved to New Zealand. So okay. um, my first pregnancy, my first baby was born in New Zealand. So so I kind of told him, look, you know, my contraception is fin- is finishing up. Um, the last that's the last six months. Uh, what do we want to do? Do we want to we want to keep keep do I? Well, I kind of suggested, look, maybe, you know, once it's finished, it's finished. We'll see what happens after that. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever, you know, that's six months down the line. So, um, so closer to the six months, closer to the pills finishing, uh, I mentioned it again, because you never, never know men, they don't listen. I said, look, how do you feel about it that I stopped the pill and we might try for a baby? And he was like, yeah, whatever you want, you know, we'll just, we'll just go with it. And I was like, great, grand. Okay. So I decide <laughs> and we do it. So so um, the first pregnancy went, um, so I got pregnant in a couple of months, like two, three months. Okay. So it was quite easy in that perspective. And uh, we were on holidays in Japan, I think, around the time. So, and then um, we came, we moved back, we came back to New Zealand and I had just signed a contract with a new employer and then few weeks down the line I found out I was pregnant so not an ideal situation but in the in the in the in a longer term perspective it doesn't really matter no. so we were delighted <laughs> with the news and how did you feel um, did you have any early symptoms or ha- actually how did you know you were pregnant did you have a missed period or did you feel off uh so what happened was um I woke up on a Saturday, a few days before, actually, like I woke up one morning and I was like, oh, my my breast feels a bit sore. It was just one breast. And I was like, that's strange. Did I do something in the gym? Because I'm quite active. So I was like, did I do some some exercise that, you know, maybe the muscles are just sore? So I thought, but then I thought it was weird that it was one breast. So um, I ended up Googling, obviously. But then I said to myself, okay, right, I give it a few days. If the pain doesn't go away, you know you know, then I might think of something else. So a few days later, the the, sec- the other breast was sore as well. So I was like, oh, interesting. And um, I think it was the Saturday and I woke up in the morning and I just went into the toilet and I took a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. And um, and I arrived back in our bedroom and I was waving the pregnancy test and I said, I'm pregnant. <laughs> so 
Tom was like, what? You didn't tell me you were going to take the test. I was like, oh, yeah, I was just sitting there weeing and thinking, oh, I should probably do the test. So, so that was the reason for the breast soreness. And after that, um, obviously, the, the nausea followed and, you know, feeling a bit uh, lightheaded. And that lasted about six weeks. But other than that, like after that, everything was fine. I had a um, couple of, you know, a few food aversions, didn't like the smell of cooking or anything like that. So other than that, there was nothing significant, you know. And how did you feel then coming into your second trimester? Did you start think to think about um, doing any Pilates or yoga or attending any classes? Um, so I was going, I, I generally like I go to the gym anyway so I continued my gym routine I just um, obviously reduced the weights and obviously the the number of times that I went to the gym during the week and um, and then I didn't take up any pilates or I didn't do any hypnobirthing or anything but I did take the um, hospital um, the hospital um, course like the course antenatal classes yes but um I didn't think it was great because um, the lady that we had, she was more focused on herself. Um, She had had like she had had three children. I think it was home births and she was like in her 60s. And then she spoke about that all the time. And then she would speak about how she had breast cancer. I understand like it's it's a big deal, but Mm. like you need to focus on the women that you have there. So so I didn't find it very informative. So I watched a lot of videos on YouTube and uh, one board every minute, but I don't think that was very accurate <laughs> of what was going to happen. So I just literally, um, I don't know, I just basically thought, well, you know, yeah, whatever happens, I'll go to the hospital, I will have the baby, you know, I didn't really think about anything. I was just thinking, you know, I'm just having a baby, that's it. <laughs> I didn't do any research or prep or anything like that which was like I was very naive like going into the whole pregnancy and giving birth thing so so yeah did nothing (laughs) except for the gym and walks and um we did um we did go for um a camping trip when I was 34 weeks pregnant (laughs) but um it was great we had a great time so um other than that well, you know, in, New- in living in New Zealand, you you have a very active lifestyle. So, so try to stay active and uh, just relax, really. And so, what's the care system like over there? Do you are you solely in the hospital, or do you do ro- do you rotate GP with hospital care? What does it look like over there? So over there, what what we do is you need to um, pick a midwife, and that midwife will see you through your whole pregnancy. Okay. So you would do your antenatal visits with her. And then um, she would also come to your chosen hospital. She needs to be part of that sort of the, the program that she would actually be able to go to that hospital. So um, so I just picked, again, really naive. I had no idea what to do, who to pick. Yeah, because there were no, pick? Yeah. There were no reviews. I was, you know, new in the country. I had no friends who would recommend a, a, a midwife, you know. So... And I tried to find someone local and then um, I just kind of Googled and I looked at their pictures and made sure they were not too young. <laughs> and um, I just picked one and then um, and then decided to go with her, basically. But um, um, 
didn't think it was the best choice in the end, but uh, I just stuck with it. And I thought, oh, you know, in the end, you go into the public care anyway. So by the time you get to the hospital, you know, your midwife, you will have the midwives that are that are on duty. They'll be there. And then your midwife will be called to to the active labor part, as we speak. Mm-hmm. So so she she showed up in the beginning, but then she went back home and then she came back sort of. And so with that midwife then, would you have spoken about your preferences? Yeah, she did ask me what my preferences were. So I said yeah. I would like to try unmedicated okay. and, you know, without interventions or whatever. Like it was basically like I'll try I'll try without epidural or anything like that. And then I was obviously dreaming about a um, birthing pool as well. So um, that was my other thing that I wanted. I wanted to try a water birth and then unmedicated, but which is what not what happened in the end. But that was my plan essentially. And she was very pro, you know, unmedicated birth, births and you know, uh, water births and that kind of stuff. So, so from that perspective, we were on the same page at least. Yeah. So, do you want to talk us through your last few weeks of pregnancy and the first signs of labor? Yeah. Um. So the um, the final few weeks were just as normal, you know, the due date came around, we went for breakfast, nothing happened. A um, couple of days later, I started feeling some mild cramping in my lower back. So it was all lower back pain. Um, that went on for like a day and I just got on with my day and I was telling my husband, oh, I'm feeling something, maybe something's happening. But it wasn't anything that I couldn't manage or you know I just didn't take it seriously it was very sporadic and there was no there was nothing um um there were no um what you say there were no the contractions weren't uh regular or anything like that so it was just random so it was probably you know taken a while so um I had that all day and then I had the same kind of thing all night I didn't sleep much during the night because they kept waking me up. So um, the following day continued the same again. I wasn't progressing much. It was just all same, slightly more painful, but nothing, you know, serious anyway. So um, so we went for a few walks during the day and uh, and then we, I said, look, we'll, we'll just go for another walk again and I'll just put a pad on just in case, you know. Mm. So we went for a walk, walked to the beach and then stopped for a photo. And then I was like, oh, I, feel, I felt the gush of something. So I thought maybe it was the waters. It wasn't a lot, but it was kind of warm. And I was like, no, I definitely didn't wee myself. <laughs> it was definitely something else. So so I was like, yeah, we'll just keep walking, you know, never mind. We'll just keep going. And um, and it happened about five times. And then okay. and then I said to Tom, look, I think it's probably water. We should probably go home and check what's happening, you know, so. On our way home, I just stopped by at a, you know, public toilets just to see if I could see anything there. And um, it was quite dark, so uh, I couldn't really tell what it was. So when we got home, it looked like waters, but it wasn't. Um, they usually say you need to, it needs to be clear uh, or pink. So it was kind of pinkish, clearish, but had a bit of a beige ting to it. So so I kind of thought, oh, you know, maybe, um, yeah, it was definitely waters. So um so I texted the midwife um, and um, she texted me back and said, look, can you send me a picture of what, what you have? And I sent the photo and she kind of didn't think much of it either. They they didn't even believe it was the water. She said, they said, you should be filling a pad, you know, like three of them. And I was like, I don't know. I just had one. I felt this, you know, 
gush of something five times and that was it. There was nothing else. So they kind of left me and said, look, um, you have 24 hours before we go to, before you have to go to the hospital. So I'll, you, you know, we'll leave you another night at home and see if you progress. Um, so another sleepless night for me, uh, nothing happened. So the time, the day came around, it was 24 hours past nearly. So the, my midwife decided that um, we should probably meet at the hospital to have it checked out. So we rocked up at the hospital. I don't know. I was not thinking again. I just thought if I go to the hospital, they'll send me back home. <laughs> I didn't bring a bag with me or anything, just like hands in my pockets arriving mm. there. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know that after 24 hours, you probably should be admitted. But like, I totally forgot about the whole labor thing. So so we just rocked up there, you know, I was ready to go back home. <laughs> and they said to me, oh, yeah, it, it is waters and there's thin meconium in it. Yeah. And that um, we should admit you and, uh, you know, get you on the get the monitor, get you on the monitor and, you know, just make sure you're OK. So I was like, right, OK, we're staying. So so then they sent me to walk the stairs and, you know, stay active in the hospital. So I just did. A few a few laps on the stairs and then I got bored of it. So I went back into the labor ward and, you know, I was still kind of, you know, not progressing much. And then um, and then around 11, so around 11 p.m., I think they told me, oh, we need to induce you. And I was like, what do you mean induce? Like, you know, what does that even mean? I need to give you some oxytocin to speed up the process because you're kind of stalling a little bit. And I was like, OK, fine. So um so by the time I got the oxytocin, I think it was 1 a.m. because they didn't have um, enough staff because they needed someone to be with me all the time. And uh, they said whenever someone becomes available, they'll uh, send them over and then then uh, they'll start the drip. So they started the drip at around 1 a.m. They went straight uh, to the drip first? Yeah. Okay. So they gave it to me. Like, obviously, I was not... Like I had no idea what was going on. So I just I was just agreeing to everything really. And um they started on really low dose, like the minimum okay. and uh and said that we'll see how you go. So obviously things ramped up after that, but I was you know, I was still not like yeah, I was I was uh, dilating, but the contractions were still kind of all over the shop. So um wasn't really sure what was going on. I had a lot of back pain, so it was um uh, the baby's position probably wasn't perfect either. So, um, so by the time I think it was three a.m., they called my midwife to come over because they thought something was, you know, happening. So by the time she got over, well, before that, the I was like, "Oh, can I move around?" And the the midwife at the hospital told me, "No, uh, no, you have to stay on the bed." I was like, "What?" Um, so my midwife came over and said, "Oh, do you want to?" let's get the wireless uh, monitoring going so you can go into the shower and, you know, move around. And I was like, oh, thank God, finally, because <laughs> I wasn't able to think. And then they offered them the Entonox as well, because I didn't, I, I didn't even remember it existed at that point. <laughs> and I was like, great, thank you, something at least. So um, I was in the shower, the shower was great, like it took away all the back pain. And I was kind of enjoying it. But then after half an hour, I'd say, I said, I'm done. It's too noisy. It's annoying me. Get me back. So I got back into the, into the, onto my bed and I was trying the, 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 the ball and everything, but like that made just the pain worse. So I just stayed on the bed on all fours. And then by six or seven or 8am, I 
I don't really know. I was around six centimeters. And um, so I just, so we were having a discussion about epidural and I was like, well, I'll try another couple of hours. And then if, if at that point it's not happening, I'll just take the epidural. So two hours later, I was still at six centimeters, I think. So they gave me the epidural and I was going for another while. And then, um, and then I think I fell asleep and then suddenly the consultant was there and she wanted to examine me. So she examined me a couple of hours later and literally the words that I remember were six centimeters C-section. Oh. I was like, what? <laughs> C-section? I'm, I'm, I'm not prepared for a C-section. Like I, I thought naively when the baby's head is down that it will come out from the vagina and there is no c-section but obviously I hadn't educated myself enough so I was shocked I was crying I was exhausted I was literally like screaming crying I was I was like like traumatized by the way the information was presented to me like I didn't like it at all so my midwife came to comfort me and explain to me why they wanted to do it because my cervix was swelling and um, it didn't look like a baby was moving down at all. So, so um, they decided that it was time for a section. So I had my cries and everything, and then I, I kind of calmed down. And they um, took me, took me into the theater. And um, meanwhile, while we're waiting to get into the theater, I noticed I had like hives on my arm, and I was like starting to scratch. And I asked the anesthetist, I was like, "Did you give me something?" And she's like, oh, yeah, I gave you pethidine. And I was like, um, OK, I don't remember anyone asking me. I don't even understand why they gave it to me because I already had epidural. Yeah. So why give me that too? Like, I don't understand. I'm still thinking about it. Like, did I miss something? Um, I was exhausted. Like, I was tired and hadn't slept. But I don't remember anyone asking me, like, do you want it? Or why? I, I couldn't understand why. So... Um, but I'm only thinking these things afterwards, like yeah. at the time, at the time I was just like accepted everything and just moved forward and wanted to get it done, you know? So after that, everything went smoothly. Like they brought me into the theater. The C-section was like a textbook example kind of thing. There were no complications. Everything went perfectly. And, um, Benjamin was born then at 11 AM and, um, after that, I guess uh, it was, you know, newborn life. <laughs> and how did you feel then when he was born? Did he, did they put him up on your chest or how did they, how did they? Do yeah, that? they, they, they tend to be quite good in New Zealand. Like they are all about, you know, encouraging breastfeeding and skin to skin and, and just, you know, the mother and baby bonding. So they put okay. him on my chest while, while I was on the post in the post-op and I was there for about an hour. And I remember he was on my chest and I was so tired mm. and I just wanted to please, can someone please move me somewhere else or take him or like he was like, it's not that I wanted him to be held, taken, but I was in an awkward position and my neck was sore and I was kind of, you know, I wasn't feeling great being in that position yeah. and she was on, he was on my breast and I was just uncomfortable after 40 minutes of holding him in the same position. So I just wanted it, you know, can you just, I don't know, someone take him. Um, and my husband, I think was there with him. I don't remember. He told me he was there, but uh, I don't know. I just, it's a bit of a 
kind of a fuzzy fuzzy time so so um generally yeah it, it they they are very nice about it so then did you go back to did you get sorry did you get time to have a little snooze have a little sleep uh not really no like i didn't like I went to the um, uh, recovery or whatever ward it was, um, postnatal ward. Um, I was there in the room by myself. It was a room for two people, I think. Um, I was there by myself with my baby. Uh, there was no one there helping me as such. Okay, my husband was there, but obviously he wasn't there all the time. So, um, and I was trying to do, trying to breastfeed and I could see that there was nothing coming out of my breasts. Like it was just nothing. And I kept saying it to the midwives or nurses that were, that were checking on me. And uh, they were like, no, you're, you're doing fine. And then I asked to see a lactation consultant who said, oh, I don't see any issues here. And then um, I think a day later, um, Benji wasn't sleeping at all. Like she, he was obviously hungry. He wasn't sleeping. He was just on the breast all the time and I wasn't sleeping. So, um, one of the nurses came over and she asked me, can I try to squeeze and see if there's any colostrum coming out? And I said, yeah, please go ahead. See, there is nothing. And she was like, yeah, you're right. So um, you definitely need to give formula to your baby. I was like, thank you. Someone, mm. someone actually understands me. So they weren't even that keen to give a formula as opposed to the Irish system where there is a trolley going around yeah. and they offer formula. So it was very different from that sense. I had to nearly beg for it. So, um, but again, I had no idea about the system or what 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 was going on there. So um, after after he had the formula, the nurse wrapped him up really nicely and patted him to sleep, so I could finally go to sleep. So that's the that's a good kind of a nice thing that I remember from them from the days at the hospital. So um, breastfeeding was a struggle overall. Um, even a week later, like like the system in New Zealand is good because the midwife that you have assigned to yourself, she will call to your house for six weeks oh, after wow. birth. Yeah, so brilliant. once a week, she'll call over to weigh and measure the baby and talk about, you know, your mental health, fill in some questionnaires, mm. ask about how I'm feeling and how the baby's doing and how everything is going in general. So it's a very good system. So. After one week, she came over and said, oh, Benjamin has gained 140 grams uh, and he should be gaining 210 or, per week. And I was like, right, I'm not even able to feed my baby. So I was sitting there with my breakfast crying, <laughs> thinking I had failed my child. I couldn't birth my child and I couldn't even feed him. So I, there was not enough milk either. So it was a bit um, traumatic. And, um, you know, I was feeling sorry for myself. Like, I felt like I just failed him. Obviously, you know, I don't feel like that anymore. But at the time, I felt very emotional. And, you know, I wasn't expecting any of that to happen. So it was a, um, a difficult time, I should say, at that time. Do you have support outside of Tom, obviously? Did you have friendships or family or anything around you in New Zealand there? No, we didn't. Like, I only had people from work who would have called over already weeks later when I had already started supplementing with formula and had something going there for myself. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like, I spoke to a couple of friends on Messenger on Facebook, and one of them told me that, you know, she had difficulties breastfeeding. So she gave me some tips and told me that um, 
her breastfeeding didn't, um, she didn't, um, she heard breastfeeding only got better at after seven months or something. So it made me kind of feel better. And I was told that usually it gets established in the first six weeks. But with Benjamin, the six week mark came around and he just refused the breasts. And I said, OK, I'm packing, packing it in, switching to formula completely. And just I just I kept pumping every three, four hours. I kept pumping just to give him a bit of extra breast milk just to support him. So um, that was that was uh, the journey with him. But um, that was the best for everyone at the time. Yeah, yeah, you do what's best. And how yeah. did you feel physically then, recovery-wise, after surgery? Uh, it was great. I had no issues. Like, they recommended, they gave me some pain relief. Um, they gave me, a, I think they put a pump that I could press the pump. And um, in the hospital, I could press the pump if I felt, like, pain. But um, at some point, I like, the nurse came to check my temperature, and it was fine. And an hour later, she came back and I said, I'm burning up. I'm feeling really hot. Can you check my temperature again? You know, <laughs> So she checks again and she says, you're fine. And she's like, have you taken any pain relief? I said, I don't know the pump. I pressed it, but I'm not sure if it's working. I do feel like the heat coming from the wound or something like that. And she said, I think your your pain relief is not working. This is what you're feeling. So I didn't even realize I didn't have pain relief post-surgery. So so they had to come and re- replace the pump. And, you know, but I didn't have ma- like any major pain or anything that I was just, I just started to burn. Like the whole skin got hot and, you know, mm. it, was, it was odd. So, so I took paracetamol afterwards and the recovery was fine. I had no problems at all. It was really smooth sailing from the C-section. And just you say you're, you're quite active when you go to the gym. When did you return to to going back to the gym and yeah, getting back to your exercise? To um, I started at the six week mark when I, okay. when it was the, when it's the, the no, normal all clear kind of thing. So got straight into it, but obviously the fitness level wasn't, <laughs> wasn't the same as it had been before, but it wasn't that difficult to get back into it. Like I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot different this time around with the second baby though. Oh, I, I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> completely different after. Yeah. So let's yeah. chat about your your next pregnancy then. Yep. So the, my second baby was born in Ireland. Um, so the, the plan was to um, go back to work and then make sure I get my uh, maternity pay uh, from work. Uh, so the, it was really planned in a way that I wouldn't be out of pocket when I when I have the baby. So. I literally planned, right, I can start, um, start, we can start trying in, let's say, um, August. So then in case anything goes wrong, I still get my maternity pay. So, um, so I just left enough time. So I think I stopped the pill on Wednesday and we do the deed in, on Friday. <laughs> And I was pregnant two weeks later. Oh, wow. basically, it was basically just a one-hit wonder, um, because um, the way I found out was um, my Tom's uh, brother and girlfriend came over to visit us, and they brought a bottle of wine. It's like about three weeks later or so, and uh, I sent Tom to the shop to do the shop weekly shop, and um, I said, "Look, just get a pregnancy test because I want to drink wine tonight because we have visitors, and you know, I just want to make sure we're okay." Mm-hmm. And he's like, we don't really need it. Like, you know, you're not pregnant. 
I was like, just get the test. Okay. So he comes home giving out about, you know, I paid, I don't know how much I paid for yeah. the test. They only had, the, <laughs> they only had the expensive ones there, the digital ones. I was like, well, you know, what can I do? <laughs> so, um, so I just kind of did the test straight away. It was around lunchtime and I just left it the pregnancy test in the in the kitchen on the on the worktop there and uh, kept staring at it the two of us together and then it said pregnant and I was mm-hmm. like what I can't drink wine <laughs> that was my main concern I wanted to drink wine and I couldn't because I was pregnant obviously I was excited to be yeah pregnant, yeah but but it was like what after one time are you serious <laughs> so um it was kind of funny like um second time around so for a while I was kind of like I don't know this is weird something like how was it that easy I appreciate that some women Mm. go through a lot a lot to get pregnant but for me it was literally the first time maybe it was just pure luck but um um, I was kind of skeptical about it for weeks and I was like something has to go wrong like it can't be that easy sort of you know in my in the back of my head but uh, the pregnancy kept going on and I started to feeling the nausea again and the tiredness. And um, uh, but this time around, I wasn't I didn't have food aversions, but I did feel like I wanted to eat all the time. So I gained a lot more weight this time around. Plus, I was working from home. It was COVID and I was working in the kitchen. So <laughs> you can imagine the presses being opened all the time. And, you know, I, just to relieve the nausea, I was just eating and eating and eating. So uh, the weight kept piling. So um, a lot different, less active. You know, the gyms were closed. All I could do was walk around, you know, our area. We had the lockdown as well, I think. Um, so, yeah, it was... Um, other than that, the pregnancy went fine. There was no complications. I had no complaints or anything. You know, the usual, only the usual thing, the iron was a bit low, so I had to take um, supplements. But I, other than that, like, it was perfect and really no problem whatsoever. So, And were your preferences the same as... Um, your first pregnancy or did you do any more research this time around did you did you do anything different basically in comparison to your first pregnancy um so this time around obviously I had started listening to the Ireland's birth stories already I had started I joined some Facebook groups for VBACs um so I was I was I was set on not having a section so um my goal was to have a vaginal delivery uh, no matter what, <laughs> obviously making sure that the baby was safe and I was safe, like, yeah. um, so just to be reasonable. But um, other than that, I was set on it. And the midwives were saying, oh, you're really brave for doing it. And I was like, well, I don't want another section. The recovery is much longer. I have a toddler at home. I can't lift him. I can't drive. I can't do anything. I'd rather not. So, um, and I was really, I really wanted to try the unmedicated birth again. <laughs> So I feel like, um, you know, um, it if I for me, it feels like if I I feel like I'm cheating if I take the epidural that I don't go through the real thing. So um, that was my plan. I wanted a VBAC and I didn't want epidural again. So um, which, you know, didn't go as planned again. But um, but I did get my VBAC. So um, I was 
seeing the midwives, I did the scheme where you, where I saw the local community midwives. And so most of my appointments would have been locally here. And then. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I went to the hospital for scans and that was about it. And then uh, at 40 weeks or before that, I think, don't remember when it was, but um, uh, maybe 34 weeks or so I got a um, call from one of the midwives saying uh hi Doris I booked you in for a c-section at 41 weeks uh your iron levels are fine no need to ring back <laughs> and I was like sorry no need to ring back <laughs> no need to ring back first of all you got the wrong number oh my god just the c-section with me that was my first problem and second of all, no need to ring back. So I was really cross with that about that. And then uh, it really started to annoy me. And then I started like, yeah. hang on a second. Yeah. My friend, my pregnancy is normal. I have yeah. no, I have no, you know, there is nothing that would increase my risk of, of complications. I've only, I've had a section before, but that was like two years ago. And um, there was no indication that I should have a C-section at 41 weeks. So I was a little mm. bit, you know, I was a little bit thrown off by that. So so I found a Facebook group uh, for the um, for the VBAC yeah, births yeah. and I actually posted there and I asked the question, like, what's what's the what are the rules around like um like how many days do they allow you to go over your due date before they like suggest a c-section or, and or um, induction or whatever 
and I got different results there. People were saying, yeah, I got my two weeks, I had 10 days, I had, I had to fight my corner or, you know, there was different stories. So I, w- I didn't like that there is a different story mm. from all women. So I figured, you know, it should be fair. And I was kind of um, talking about it with Tom and I was like, I was really getting myself, you know, geared up for it and getting <laughs> annoyed with the whole thing. So next next uh, midwife I po- appointment I had, I said to her, um, I got this voicemail and it that it said that I was booked for um, a section at 41 weeks and I am definitely not... Uh, I would prefer not to, basically. And she told me, well, you need to talk to um, a consultant about that. And we just kind of do, you know, a standard kind of thing. We don't, uh, you know, so you need to go to the hospital. I'll book your next appointment at the hospital and you can talk to the consultant whether you can change that or not. So before, uh, so the days leading up to that, I was obviously yeah, a little bit... Um, upset I had a little cry in the car before going in for my appointment because I was really you know emotional about it I was thinking oh my god if I go to 41 weeks the amount of stress that I was on me if I go on to for up to if I don't have birth give birth before 41 weeks I have to have another surgery that might not be required at all that's not where you want to be at that stage of pregnancy no either. you want to be in a certain no headspace yeah, exactly. So I was really, you know, I was upset again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, so I went for the appointment and the consultant that I saw, she was actually really nice. She asked me, what do you want? Tell me what you want. And I told her, I don't want a section of 41 weeks. Um, I went a few days over with Benji. Uh, potentially I might go over with this baby as well. So she had a quick look on the ultrasound and said, look, yeah, there, like there's plenty of fluid. Baby looks comfortable. Doesn't look like you're going into labor anytime soon. Baby's really high up. Hasn't, um, hasn't even like the head isn't engaged, you know? And then, you know, she was like, well, right. I'll, I'll see if we can, um, if we can uh, do something about the section kind of thing. And she disappeared for 20 minutes and came back and told me, look, we don't. Um, so I've managed to get managed to get you a date um, for whatever I wanted. So I said, I'm happy to go for a section at 42 weeks, but not 41. So it's like, right, I got you a date for the 42 weeks. They don't like me there in the in the in the in the operating department, should we say. And um, but I got what you wanted. So um, I could really feel she was vouching for me for, you know, she was trying to push it. So I was very happy with the way she handled it because otherwise, you know, but what what really annoyed me over the whole story is that there are women that don't know Mm. um, that you can, you know, say no to this kind of thing. And, and as it turns out, I went into labor at um, when I was 11 days overdue. So I would have had the section at 41 weeks for no actual reason. Whereas my, um, Whereas my baby was born uh, vaginally uh, at uh, 41 weeks plus whatever days, was it six or four or I don't know. Yeah, four days, four or five. So um, so that just annoyed me so much that I thought, you know, some people don't ask the questions and they don't, they just accept, oh, right, I'm booked in for 41 weeks. I don't even, you know, I don't, I don't actually know that I have choice. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
So I was really proud of myself in the end for for standing up for myself, although it was like through the tears at some point. I was quite emotional, but I, I got what I wanted. And the labor itself um, uh, started. So I, as I mentioned, I was 11 days overdue. So the weekend before, so uh, Amelia was born on Monday, but um, the weekend before I was telling um, Tom's, Tom to tell his parents because they live in Limerick. So it would be a three hour drive. So I said, look, you know what? The section is booked for Thursday next week. Just tell them to drive up on Wednesday because there is nothing happening here. This baby is not coming out like I was desperate already. So I just, I just said, look, tell them to come over on Wednesday, you know. There's nothing going on here. So Sunday morning, I woke up. I felt some period pain in in my lower abdomen, but it was kind of coming and going. And I just made nothing out of it because some people have Braxton Hicks that can be a little bit painful. Mine were never painful, but I just like I, I was able to sleep through it and it didn't bother me at all. So I just forgot about it. And got on with my day. We did our usual, you know, batch cooking and, you know, preparing for the week ahead. And I, the veins were just coming and going and I was just managing them. I didn't didn't even speak about it. Just it was nothing, basically. I didn't even think it was labor. So um, so at, in the evening at eight, I was sitting on the couch and I was like, I think they're getting a little bit stronger, but I'm still not worried. Like with Benji, I was two day two days in labor like you know we have loads of time we don't even need to ring tom's parents like they've you know loads of time we'll see in the morning so um at midnight i think we went to i went to bed and well i was on my way to bed and i said i don't think i can sleep tonight because you know the pain is becoming a little bit more stronger a little bit stronger so um not sure i can sleep tonight i think i'll be awake all night again and did you feel excited feeling this but I didn't even think it was labor again, okay. like the real thing. You know, I just thought it's the same thing as I had with Benji, that it took me days before mm. anything happened. So I didn't think anything would happen overnight anyway. So um, so they were contra- I was timing the contractions on my phone was eight minutes apart. And then there was a five minutes apart. So they were kind of, you know, they weren't regular. So I didn't think much of it and I was fine. And then I think around 3 a.m. I was already on all fours in bed. I don't know why I didn't have a shower or go downstairs to sit on the ball or uh, utilize the ball that I had been using for days or weeks leading to the labor. So I I just, I think I was in denial again. Mm. I just didn't think it was happening. And thinking back I'm thinking now I can see that I was really you know naive again (laughs) I didn't think it was you know the baby was coming although the pains were getting stronger the contractions were getting closer together you know I was still grand and then Tom was um, trying to sleep there beside me and he's like are you all right I'm like yeah I'm fine and no I was like don't talk to me right now I'm having a contraction so I had about at some point I had three contractions in a row without without a break and I was shaking and crying <laughs> and he was trying to talk to me at the same time so I said don't talk to me now I let you know when it's gone then we can talk so after I got through my three I said oh my god never had this before this is ridiculous like I don't know it's I don't know what's going on 
And um, he's like, should I text my parents to come over? I said, no, it's in the middle of the night. They're not going to drive from Limerick, like, during the night, you know. They're a bit older as well, you know. I don't want to, you know, disturb them. <laughs> so, um, so I said, we just, we, we just wait until, like, 6 a.m. or something, you know. We'll wait until the morning and then we can let them know if if they need to come over. So, um, but I think something changed within the, from around the 3 a.m. mark. I felt something, but I like a click or I don't know how to describe it I think um, because uh, Amelia wasn't engaged either so um, I think it was just the head got engaged at that time and then it just really started to get you know unbearable and the contractions were every couple of minutes and I was losing my my um, losing my um, cool you know and uh, I was starting to get really flustered and, you know, getting, you know, I didn't know how, what to do. I had ideas of I would like to use the hypnobirthing app. I'd like to do the, try and use the shower and, you know, all these kind of things I had thought out in my head. They never occurred to me. So I had no plan in place, basically. Um, if I had things on a paper in front of me, maybe I would have tried all of these things prior to, you know, deciding to you know because I stayed on the bed on all fours and I don't know why I wasn't moving around or doing anything I think I just lost my ability to think again so um so then around 5 a.m um Tom was like I think we need to call my parents I said okay fine just 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 fine just text <laughs> like yeah okay fine yeah just do it <laughs> yeah so um he texted his dad and said look you better start coming over because I think we're going to the hospital soon so we weren't even going to wait the three hours of the drive that they were supposed to have because I we anticipated that they would arrive at 8 a.m sort of um so he said oh maybe you we should you should try ringing some of your friends that live locally. So about half five, we started. I started ringing a couple of friends, and um, nobody answered the phone per usual because I didn't agree anything with them. Okay. They have always said to me, like, if you need anything, you know, let us know. If you need anything at all, sort of give me a call, day or night, whatever. So I rang a friend of mine, um, Deirdre. She lives around the same area, and um, she didn't answer the phone. And I was like, oh, she's probably on silent, you know. So um, after a while, she rang, but she her daughter is um, same age as Benji. So so I knew that she, Benji, um, her daughter would be up quite early. So I was hoping that she would be awake and saw the missed mm. call. So she did spot the missed call and she um, rang back. And at that point, Tom was already talking to her and asked her if she could come over and mind Benji uh, while we go to the hospital because we can't wait another three hours. <laughs> so she was... Um, she was great. She came over in half an hour. And by the time she got here and we got out of the door, I was, it was around half six, I think. I was just about to get out of the door and I could just felt, I felt the washers going and I was like, oh great, now I have to go back upstairs, change. Yeah. So, um, so I came back upstairs and I sat on the toilet, warning graphic content. Um, mm-hmm. I was wiping myself and then I just pulled my arm out and there was something hanging off like <laughs> my arm. And I was like, oh my God, what is that? And it was the mucus plug, but it was like a long stretchy string of oh, something. Cool. Okay. And Tom was beside me and I was like, oh my God, it's the mucus plug. Oh. 
and, the, and I was just laughing. I found it so funny that this it looked it was gross, <laughs> and it was just hanging off by like my arm. And Tom was like, "Oh," <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of picked it up and put it in the toilet. <laughs> and I said, "Okay, things are happening." Yeah, so, because with with Benji, I had none of that. Like I just had. Um, bit of bleeding and kind of you know nothing like that I didn't even see the mucus plug with Benji um, but with with Amelia it was just the mucus plug and waters and there was no bleeding as such so um, so then I put my uh, adult nappy on and we made our way and while we were driving we had about 13 minutes to the hospital I saw on his phone on the GPS on the sat nav or the, um, Google Maps and um, I was like, right, I'm going to time the contractions now um, in the 13 minutes. And I had four contractions in 13 minutes, which was pretty good. <laughs> so um, so we were driving down N11 and I just kept scrolling the window down because we used his, um, his car and it didn't have electric windows. So I was like scrolling the window down, give me some air. Then he had the heat on. I was like, turn off the heat, breathe with me. You need to. And then I'll give it out to him you need to breathe slower. You need to breathe. Tell me, we need to breathe with me. You can't be just huffing and puffing. You need to, you know, there needs to be a rhythm. So I had time to um, give out to him about the whole thing. So um, so I was uh, basically at the traffic lights on, on, the, on the road to the hospital shouting out of the window at 7 a.m. in the morning. I don't know what the other uh, drivers on the road were thinking if they ever heard me, but um, it was pretty intense. So, I'm thinking back to it. It was actually fun. <laughs> so, um, so we got to the hospital and um, we were taken. Well, that was now during COVID. So, um, my my goal was to not go to the hospital. I guess the reason why I was push putting off the whole call parents, you know, I'm in labor thing because I didn't want to go to the hospital mm-hmm. too early because I wanted to be able to bring Tom with me. And not have to be in the labor ward or, you know, stalling the labor with, you know, lights on or whatever. You know, I just wanted it to be get to the hospital as late as possible, have the baby and be done with it. So so we got to the hospital and um, we were taken straight to the delivery ward and they checked me and I was four centimeters. So I was like "Mm, four after seven hours of this, you know. Because I, I kind of think that the labor kind of started around midnight where I properly started feeling the contractions. And I suppose the other reason why I didn't why I didn't think that um, I was in real labor was that I Googled stuff beforehand while I was in bed. Okay, so the contract the Google told Google told me contractions start from the back, move to the front. And then I was like, well, but I'm only feeling pain at the front. And then there was like two columns one was false labor and the other one was um, the actual real labor and the false labor was you know just pain at the front sort of you know so it's like right this is false labor this <laughs> this isn't happening <laughs> so that stuck with me in my head so um, uh, I suppose that was the other reason why I thought that it wasn't happening so um, after we were got to the hospital they hooked me on to the monitors um, I was on all fours and then they were saying, oh, you're, uh, you you want to have a V-back? That's great. You know, well done, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, thanks. But there wasn't, um, 
they weren't suggesting anything like, do you want to move around or would you like to, you know, just walk a bit or try to go in the shower? I think it was a, little bit, a lot more strict because I've had a section before. So they wanted to do continuous monitoring and I didn't have it in my head to even ask if they have wireless monitoring in, in, in the hospital in Ireland. So I just accepted it and I just stayed on all fours. Um, so I was there for a couple of hours and like the contractions were pretty close together and really intense. It was a lot different from what I had with Benji, even though with Benji, I had oxytocin drip with him. My contractions were like five, six minutes apart and I was managing through them while with Amelia, it was just unbearable nearly. So after, after two hours, I said, I want epidural. Check me now. Check me how much I've dilated and give me the epidural. So they said, well, we don't normally check. Um, we normally check after every four hours. I said, I don't care. Just check. And if there is more, there is significant progress, I might change my mind about the epidural. Mm. So um, they checked. It's like four to five centimeters. It's like all two hours of this work and I've gone nowhere. <laughs> said bring me the epidural please so um so they got the epidural and uh then i think by around midday uh i was 10 centimeters and then they told me look we'll give you another half an hour and see if the baby moves down um on its own because you know they were conscious of the of the previous section so they didn't want to push me too much okay with anything so they said, we'll give it another half an hour. If you feel like you need to push, like with epidural, you don't feel a whole lot. But I felt some pressure, but I didn't know whether this was the pushing, pushing baby out pressure or mm. just pressure. Um, so they told me, we'll wait another half an hour if baby moves down on its, uh, on its own, and then uh, we'll start pushing. And they said to me that uh, we only allow half an hour of pushing after that we'll need to review basically and I was like right okay I was so tired I hadn't slept the night again and I thought yeah half an hour great I agree so and is that because you had a v you were planned on a VBAC uh previous section or was that just the general it was because I had a section before yeah, so okay. they don't didn't want to stress the uterus too much I guess they're okay. concerned about the the rupture of the uh, of the previous scar so um, and they just told me, like, if you feel any pain or anything at all, you know, because in case the scar was rupturing, you know, let us know. I said, I'm grand. I don't feel anything. I'm fine. Okay. So um, so after pushing about uh, it was coached pushing, you know, they asked me to be on my back and, you know, there's like pushing with epidural, like you feel nothing. So you don't know what you're doing. They're telling you push really hard, but you don't feel anything. You're just pushing. But you don't really know what you're doing. So, um, so I was pushing and, you know, they told me more, more, more. It was like, right. Okay. And then after 20 minutes, they said, like, I noticed in myself that, uh, with the, the monitor was beeping a little bit, okay. uh, baby's heart rate was a little bit high during the contractions. So they said, look, we'll, um, if nothing, if we don't get the baby, if nothing happens, the doctor might have to come in and help deliver the baby. We might have to do um, uh, the suction. And I was like, 
fine, whatever. I, I don't care as long as it's not a section. I'm happy with whatever you do as long as the baby is out safe. So after 20 minutes, the heart rate was kind of high again. So um, they said, look, the doctor's coming now. So are you okay with it? Sort of like not okay, but like they just wanted to make sure I wasn't upset or anything. So I was like, yeah, the sooner the better. <laughs> so Dr. Dave arrived. He called him. His name was Dave. I don't know his surname. So he arrived. So I called him Dr. Dave and and he said, look, we're going to do an episiotomy and we're going to use the von twos to deliver the baby. And uh, I was like, yep, go for it. I am happy to go ahead with it because I just want the baby out. Mm. So um, I, I thought they would say when the to me, oh, the baby's head is out, you know, something exciting. But all they kind of said, I think, was the talk between themselves. Oh, chin is out. But like, I didn't even know what that meant <laughs> chin is out so um so i guess the head was out then but maybe it was a little bit of a stressful situation for them there to make sure the baby arrived safely so so then um basically after 10 minutes since the doctor arrived um the baby was out and she was four kilos and she came out like superwoman like mm -hmm the hand beside the head okay right <laughs> so they said that's probably the reason why um it she didn't come out on her own uh so she needed a little bit of help but also she was a bit of a bigger baby comparing to benjamin so um so they had to do the episiotomy and then obviously um everything was fine after that but um my uh blood pressure was a little bit low i was laying down they took my blood pressure. It was a little bit low. And they asked me, are you feeling okay? Are you dizzy? And I'm like, no, Grant. <laughs> so they sat me up. And after that, I started to feel faint. And I said, I think I'm going to pass out. So I was sitting there. So they got some senior, um, I don't know what you call senior, uh, some manager of the midwives. I don't know how you call it. Um, she came over. She, They started, gave me extra fluids. And then I had... Um, I also had a fever during labor, so okay. they, I was on antibiotics. Then they gave me some more fluids, and then they gave me some something thicker, like a gel, to help the blood pressure to come up a bit. And um, I was sitting there for ages, like with, couldn't see much because I was half passing out, half conscious, looking at them all staring at me. And I was telling them, I'm scared, I'm going to pass out. And my husband was there, don't worry, you're at the hospital. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but I'm still scared. I'm going to pass out. Like, I don't like this kind of stuff, you know. Mm. So um, so after a while, I started feeling better. So I said to the ladies there, I can see you much better now. So I think I'm okay. <laughs> and, um, and after a while, um, so we were also in there. Um, they took a COVID test after we, I had the baby. And... They said you can't go to the uh, postnatal ward until you have the negative COVID test result. So because you had a temperature? No, I think they do it to everyone. Okay. So you need to get the test result back before they send you to the postnatal. Okay. Or recovery or whatever ward you need to go into. So it we waited for seven hours to get the test result. And they said, oh, you know, it should be quicker like there was obviously just one chair for Tom to sit on there he hadn't slept all night either so it was very uncomfortable for him to be sitting mm. there for seven hours waiting and waiting and waiting but um but I um I think um 
I don't know what the background information was, what the midwives were sharing with the consultants there. So at some point, uh, this doctor came in. Uh, she was younger. Um, and she told me that, oh, during my delivery, I had uh, obviously the episiotomy and then I had a second degree tear. And then uh, there were some smaller like tears as well, which is fine. But um, um, it took it took about forty minutes to for the for the doc for the consultant to put in the stitches and stuff. So um, so then after a while, this um, doctor came around and she told me that she was going to gently examine me, and um, maybe they thought maybe she thought that I still had epidural in my system, but it had started to wear off already. So she basically first she felt my tummy was she it hadn't contracted as much as they would have wanted so they um so she said she was going to gently examine so she pretty much put her hand into my vagina and probably into the uterus um just to because there was blood still in the uterus and it wasn't contracting down as it should but she didn't tell me she was going to do any of that and even if like and the fact that she said i was i'm going to gently examine you i think she didn't realize that you know i felt everything so <laughs> right now i'm laughing at it but at the time i think that was the worst part of the whole delivery i screamed from the top of my lungs cursing <laughs> where is the effin gas so everybody started running around <laughs> running around grabbing the gas for me so she stopped obviously whatever she was doing she stopped and and she said just let me know whenever you're ready and we can try again and so I was pretty much taking in all the all the gas and air you know trying to trying to uh, manage you know and um, and she said are you ready I said okay I'm ready now she said are you sure I was like yeah just do it like it was gonna hurt but just do it so she did it. I managed through the pain. I honestly screamed. I don't know who heard me there in the hospital, but that was, I didn't expect it at all. And that was the worst thing that they could do to me. Like, I don't know. <sighs> and were your stitches intact afterwards or did they need your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were fine. It was just that, you know, yeah, after delivery, yeah. everything was and sore. Swollen. Yeah. And exactly. So um, that was like, uh, that was horrible. But, um, you know, it is what it is. They should, they could have warned me that that was going to happen. But obviously, they thought I still had the epidural, maybe. Um, so they then they decided, oh, will we take her into recovery or will we take her into postnatal because of the blood pressure, I think. So um, I think they decided to take me into postnatal. So they took me down there and then, like, I don't remember a while later, um, in the postnatal ward, one of the midwives came over and asked me if I wanted to. Oh, they asked me because after epidural, you need to go uh, to the toilet and they measure, you know, you need to uh, pass urine um, three times and it has to be 250 mils each time so to make sure that everything is working fine you know uh, and so she said okay we'll go to the toilet so I said right she, she helped me walk to the toilet because I was feeling a bit faint and then she said do you want to try have a shower and I was like yeah I can try like the, the shower was a couple of meters away from where I was standing 
and I couldn't walk there. I said, I don't think I can do it. I feel really um, out of breath. I was literally like as if I had been exercising, running, you know, I was so out of breath. And she said, oh, we should probably get that checked out. I was like, okay. I was that out of breath. I couldn't walk. I couldn't shower. I couldn't, I couldn't even stand. Like standing was difficult. So, um, so they took a blood test and uh, they said, I think that was on day three. Yeah. On day three, they told me um, your iron is low. It was six or something like that. And that um, because they were about to discharge me like to go home and they said look um, your iron is six ish too low so our recommendation is we could discharge you uh, you can go home but it's going to take a lot longer to recover and considering you have a toddler at home you know it, it's going to be hard you need to take the iron tablets for a while and you know it'll take a lot a, a, a lot longer to to get back to yourself so what um, the other option is to do a blood transfusion. So um, I, then again, me crying, all emotional, <laughs> hormones all over the place. So I cried and I said, okay, fine, just get me the blood transfusion. And they said, look, you stay another night at the mm -hmm. hospital, but you will feel much better immediately and you'll be able to go home tomorrow and you can at least hold, pick up your child. So um, I was happy with that, but it, I was just, yeah, you know, yeah. emotional over the fact that you were nearly letting me go home and now you're telling me I can't. Well, it wasn't that I couldn't. They just said, look, these mm -hmm. are your options. And I asked them, what do you recommend? And they said, okay, so we would recommend a blood transfusion. So I had to stay another night and get the blood transfusion. And uh, me being all, you know, weird about things like that, I've never had a blood transfusion before. So they said, you know, before they... Um, started it they said oh, you know that you will feel you know let let us know if you feel your heart racing or your um, you can't breathe or something like that so I was already panicking thinking oh my god <laughs> you know is that a side effect yeah yeah that's side effects but you'll feel that in the first 15 minutes so I was on yeah. my bed waiting for sitting yeah. and waiting <laughs> waiting for something to happen but um luckily nothing happened so um I did feel much better the following day already so um that was the that was the end of my journey at the hospital with Amelia, basically. But the breastfeeding thing, um, I try. I knew already with Benjamin that I might not have colostrum. Um, so I was obviously putting her on the breast, but I also asked for the formula and I made sure that she was not hungry. So, so when we left the hospital, she was the same weight as she was born, mm -hmm. So, which was because of the formula obviously so uh yeah that was um amelia <laughs> and are you breastfeeding now positive yeah uh, i am so now um i manage about 90 percent of the time i am uh, managing breastfeeding but it's still not perfect it's not like you know you take your baby and pop them on the breast mm -hmm. and they're satisfied she could go on for like an hour and she could just she's just um because I think my the flow isn't as as fast or as good as it could be, so she spends a lot more time trying to get the milk out of me, and she also had okay. a tongue tie, so her latch isn't great either. So um, I get more out of the breast when I'm pumping as opposed to when she's 
she's on the breast. So another challenge, but we manage. So um, I give her a little mm. bit of formula every now and then. And I pump once once a day, like at night before going to bed. But um, we're getting to the six month mark. So I've done really well with that. <laughs> Proud of myself. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing. Gosh, I didn't I didn't expect uh-huh. the last thing what you said there, the blood transfusion. <laughs> it's only reminded me once again to donate I keep when I hear these stories and I'm like okay yeah I need to give yeah. blood I need to give blood yeah I don't think I can no. donate anymore now so yeah so that's me done unfortunately yeah, okay. god and you felt you felt different within 24 hours did you yeah they said in a few okay. hours you would already feel different so I was able to you know walk around have a shower and not feel like I was out of like I wasn't that much out of breath I was still weak and stuff like but I felt a lot better in a few hours already so um, that definitely helped thank you so much all right thank you very much for your time Cora if you are enjoying the podcast I would really appreciate if you could take a moment to review rate or subscribe wherever you listen to your weekly episodes it really helps get a little bit of exposure so more women get to hear these stories and I will also link um, the website and the Instagram page where you can give blood and you can just ring a number and get through directly to the nurses who can tell you where they're going to be located and what you need to do it's so important I hope you enjoyed and I will chat to you soon Here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.